0: Chapter twenty seven of Four Mothers at Chautauqua by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Memorials While Eureka explained, and explained again, and listened to incoherent exclamations, and answered what questions she could, and exerted her skill to the utmost to get the good lady calmed down into ordinary speech and manner, Hazel slipped away and joined mrs Roberts at the other end of the long veranda. For the homeward drive, Burnham, without asking any questions, placed his mother and Aunt Sarah on the back seat, leaving them to get on together as best they could, while he devoted himself exclusively to the ladies in front. But he put the aunt into another nervous flutter by saying to her, when he handed her from the carriage as if she had been a princess, "'May I call upon you to-morrow at about ten o'clock, Mrs. Bradford?' Busy as she was during that strange week, Eureka nevertheless found a little time for her own interests, and was amazed when she thought it over afterwards to realize how absorbed she had been in the numerous missionary conferences and missionary talks and even missionary prayer meetings held at the various denominational houses. It was not until she had been to several of these meetings that she awoke to the consciousness that always her escort seemed to be Mr. Dennis, the missionary from Utah, and that they went and came without other company. Also, that both of them were in the habit of lingering on the veranda, or in one of the small parlors, for an hour at a time, asking and answering questions, and apparently enjoying each other's society to the utmost. What aroused her to the state of things was the discovery that she was the subject of remark and of curious surmisings. Some of the bolder lookers-on began to rally her after the fashion of their kind. Mrs. Neil Harrison, for instance, more bold perhaps than others, by reason of being her sister-in-law, asked her outright when she expected to go to Utah, and if she felt very sure that even a missionary could always withstand the temptations peculiar to that state the coarseness of the insinuation made Eureka indignant, yet it was not those words that sent the blood racing through her veins with such force that she turned suddenly giddy. It was the scarlet hue on the face of her mother, and the very peculiar look that passed between her and Mr. Dennis, who at that instant entered the reception-room. Lying outwardly quiet beside her mother that night, Eureka was in inward turmoil. She was translating that exchange of glances between the missionary from Utah and her mother, and deciding that she understood. Her translation fitted in with a remark made to her by Mrs. Dennis but a few hours before. "'Do you think,' she had asked, "'that your mother would like to live in the West?' The tone was peculiar, and she knew now that it was significant, but she had been stupid. "'In the West,' she had repeated, I am sure I don't know. She has never had any reason to consider such a question. Why do you ask Aunt Marion? But Aunt Marion hadn't chosen to answer, and had immediately changed the subject. Now it was all very plain. They wanted her to marry the missionary from Utah. Her mother wanted it, and had been allowing herself to talk over the possibilities with the man himself. What else could that exchange of glances have meant?' Mother was so anxious to have her married and settled in life that she would be willing to have her go to Utah or to China, so that she need be worried over her no more. Perhaps Mother was disappointed that her daughter was not to be Mrs. Burnham Roberts. It is true she had always heartily opposed their friendship, but that might have been because she feared that Burnham was simply flirting. Poor Mother! She was very much alone in this big, hard world, and had very little of the world's goods. Perhaps she worried over the future. In truth, Eureka knew that she did. She had nothing to lean upon. The others were, well, they were married and settled, and of small account so far as her mother's comfort was concerned. Did she believe that a home missionary would be able to support a mother-in-law? Was it possible that Mr. Dennis was really thinking of such things, he must be, he must have talked with her mother. She went hurriedly over the days since she had known him intimately. Certainly he had sought her out, taken trouble to secure a walk or a talk with her. Now that she forced herself to go over the days in detail, his attentions had been really marked. It must be that he wanted to marry her. And, poor Eureka, it was plain that her mother wanted her to marry him." No wonder that sleep failed her that night, and, after lying perfectly still as long as her nerves would bear the strain, she arose, slipped into a wrapper, and going softly to the little porch, bared her burning face to the dews of night. Another terrible problem was before her, and her common sense told her that a decision of some sort would soon have to be made. What should she do? There was no question of her liking the missionary, she liked him very much in every way, and she was more deeply interested in the work about which he had told her than in anything she had ever heard of before. She was sure that she could help in it, even as she was. And I am not, she began in her thought, and stopped with a strange feeling at her heart. Without herself realizing what had been taking place in her mind during those few strange days, she knew that the evident and very strongly marked change in Burnham Roberts had moved her powerfully. Deep in her inner consciousness, this carefully taught child of believing parents hid a firm belief in the fact of regeneration. She knew that there was such a thing as becoming a new creature. She had looked on at transformations, and had learned to scoff and sneer because there were apparently so few of them, so few Christians who lived up to her ideals. These days, since Burnham had begun to pray and to live, had left her feeling alone and lonely. The hidden thought of her heart had been, If I had anybody to pray for me, as they prayed for Burnham, I might. Then her well-trained intellect had reminded her that she was the child of many prayers, and that Jesus Christ himself was her advocate at this moment. He ever liveth to make intercession.' hadn't her own father explained the meaning of those words to her long ago, when she had learned the verse as a golden text? But the immediate problem was whether she could possibly marry Mr. Dennis. He was a great deal older than herself, she did not care for that. Poor mother, to be disappointed twice in getting rid of her troublesome daughter would be hard. Would he be willing to marry her if she told him that she respected him very much, believed in him fully, "'liked him better than any of her other friends? But as for loving him, she was different from other girls, and had never loved, and assuredly never expected to really love anybody? He must be going to ask her to marry him, for surely mother would never have been confidential with him unless he had gone to her. Was marriage sometimes just a fine friendship between self-respecting people?' would it be right for her to secure in this way a home for mother, and the protection for her old age that men could give? These questions did not follow each other consecutively. Some of them were not definitely thought at all. They just floated through her consciousness, hurriedly, like problems that must be taken up if... Morning brought no relief to her perturbed soul, but her nervous unrest sent her to the morning conference on missions, to the afternoon question-hour on home missions, at both of which gatherings Mr. Dennis was the chief speaker, and finally to the home mission prayer-meeting at one of the denominational houses. Little she heard of the talks or the prayers during that hour. She had met Mr. Dennis at the door, and he had asked if he might take her home after the meeting, and would she give him an opportunity to talk with her on a very private and personal matter." He began to talk the moment they were out of hearing of the multitude. "'My dear Miss Harrison, I have really been seeking this opportunity for the last two days, and I fancy you know fairly well what I want to ask of you.' If she had not felt too much troubled, she could have laughed. Here was another who supposed her to know people's thoughts before they were spoken. He waited for no response, but went on hurriedly. I HAVE NOTICED WITH THE GREATEST JOY YOUR DEEPENING INTEREST IN THE GENERAL SUBJECT OF HOME MISSIONS, AND I CANNOT HELP FEELING THAT THERE HAS BEEN A SPECIAL INTEREST IN MY OWN FIELD. I HAVE SOMETIMES HOPED THAT YOU WOULD LIKE TO LIVE IN THE REGION WHERE MY WORK LIES, AND I AM SURE THAT YOU WOULD TAKE THE GREATEST POSSIBLE INTEREST IN THE YOUNG WOMEN WE ARE TRYING TO REACH. THERE WAS A PAUSE AS IF FOR REPLY, BUT Eureka FELT THAT SHE COULD NOT HAVE SPOKEN A WORD TO HAVE SAVED HIS LIFE. He cleared his voice ever so gently, and went on. "'In short, my dear Eureka, I may call you Eureka, may I not? I have dared to hope that you would help me to re-establish my broken home, and to be to us all, to my children especially, perhaps, the friend we all need. Still was Eureka tongue-tied. This was so utterly unlike the way she had imagined he might speak, that there seemed no place for her words.' but he did not wait this time for response. I think I can realize to some extent how your mother feels about this, knowing as she does that you gave up your dearest hopes for her, and feeling sure as she does that whatever arrangements in life you might make, she would be always your first thought. Of course she thinks first of you. But I have ventured the hope that, so far from my putting an obstacle in the way of your care for her, you would be willing to trust me to do everything for her comfort and happiness that a man could do. Not only that, but I, we, have both hoped that you would be willing to come and help us make a united home, and work with us for other homes that Satan has despoiled. Have I presumed upon my knowledge of your real character, my, may I say, daughter? Once more in the solitude of her room, her mother having been left with Mr. Dennis on the porch below, Eureka locked her door, drew down her shades, and dropped into the first chair she saw. Then she laughed, not bitterly, not gloomily, just a free hearty laugh with a touch of relief in it. The tremendous tension of the day was over at last, and she could afford the reaction. "'To be refused twice in one week is too much,' she said aloud and laughed again, "'Eureka Harrison, you would do well to stop planning other people's lives for them, and give yourself to being thankful that you are to be allowed to remain Eureka Harrison to the end of the chapter. May I say, daughter, think of it! Oh, mother, mother! But I shall go to Utah all the same, and help some of those girls. See if I don't!' Burnham and Hazel were out for the afternoon. The days were very busy ones for the chautauqua season was drawing to a close only one whole day more and then home for all the members of aunt ruth's party to several of them the getting ready to begin other homes and utterly changed lives for more than one of them hazel had been left to travel in mrs robert's care her aunt and cousins having departed two days before being driven to the railroad station in excellent style, and established in the luxurious drawing-room car with all the appliances of modern luxury about them, the latest magazines, the choicest fruits, and every other aid to comfort that Burnham Roberts could secure. "'It is awfully different from the way we came,' said Isabel, as she leaned back in her luxurious chair and munched chocolates. "'I should think as much,' from Josephine, as she turned the pages of the latest Harper, and to think that we owe it all to that little mouse of a Hazel. Doesn't it seem almost like witchcraft, mother? Mrs. Bradford adjusted her head comfortably among the cushions, and closed her eyes to enjoy the luxury of rest, as she said dreamily, "'Hazel is really an unusual girl. I knew there were possibilities in her. She takes after the Bradford side of the family.' but in spite of the busy closing days, those two had found time for a special afternoon. Stebbins, Burnham Roberts's eighty-seven friend, had invited them to be present at the class anniversary, and Hazel had private reasons of her own for being especially interested in it. They were early, so they wandered into the Hall of the Christ to enjoy its solitude. "'It is simply shocking,' Burnham said as they mounted the steps, that you have not been to any of the meetings held here. It is the place of all others where I should have expected you to spend your leisure time, until I stole it all. I had no leisure time, said Hazel, laughing. And if I had, why would I spend it here? What is this place? It is the bishop's heart, as nearly as I can make out. Here I can read you what he wants it to be. He took from his notebook a scrap of paper and read, THE HALL OF THE CHRIST IS FIRST OF ALL TO STAND IN THE CENTER OF Chautauqua TO REPRESENT CHRIST AS THE CENTER OF ALL LEARNING AND ALL TRUE LIVING, THE KEY TO THE TRUE AND ETERNAL WISDOM. DO YOU NOTICE THAT THE BOOKS IN THE LIBRARY HERE HAVE ALL OF THEM TO DO WITH JESUS CHRIST? THE AIM, I AM TOLD, IS TO GATHER THE BEST WRITERS OF ALL AGES, PAST, PRESENT, AND AS THEY COME OUT, FUTURE BOOKS THAT BEAR UPON HIS LIFE AND HIS WORK. Pictures, too, you know, copies of the great masters. The bishop, they say, wants one very large and the very greatest to cover that space back of the archway. Somebody will give it some day. I wish it could be us. Perhaps a great many somebodies might do it, of which you could be one. That's an idea a class picture, our class. We have four years in which to work it up. Let's take hold of it. She laughed deliciously. She had not yet grown used to the joy of hearing this man say, we and us. It is a beautiful thought, she said, looking about her, a hall where Jesus Christ is enthroned, where only his story is allowed, told in print and picture and sculpture and the human voice. Isn't it grand? We will help to tell the story, he said eagerly, you and I, let us begin now and lay aside a certain sum each year that will help to make this building vocal with his praise. Wouldn't that be a good way in which to memorialize this special year? A beautiful way, she said. Burnham, I do know about this place. Isn't it here that the bishop speaks on Sunday mornings? Well, do you know that Eureka came here last Sunday, to the early morning meeting, and heard him speak some words that I don't believe she will ever forget?' Have you begun to pray very especially for one person yet, above all others, one who doesn't know the Lord? Oh, you will! I think it is one of the very first things he gives us to do. I hope he will want you to take Eureka. We can't let her go on alone any longer. Burnham, I want her for Christ, as a souvenir of this year. End of chapter Twenty Seven.